Isaiah chapter 55 in our Bible this morning. And we're going to go back to this thought that we have tried to establish here at the early part of this year of the importance of these invitations that are found in Scripture. So Isaiah chapter 55, and look with me if you would in verse 1, and we're going to read by way of a text, by way of an introduction here this morning, we're going to read down to verse number 3. So Isaiah chapter 55, and we're going to read verse 1 down to verse number 3. Let's notice this invitation that God gives us real quickly right before we get to it. We've been, uh, again, at the early part of this year studying these invitations. By the way, the, I've said this already, the, the greatest invitation you can ever receive are the ones you receive from God. We're going to notice one here today. God's going to give us an invitation and we can respond to that invitation if we so choose to do that, if we desire to do that. And so may this encourage us here this morning. Isaiah 55 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Ho... Everyone that thirsteth. By the way, that word ho there is just a way for the prophet to, to make a call to our attention. He's calling us to attention there. I, I, there's something I want you to hear. There's an invitation that God has for you. You need to become alert here. You need to listen to this call and, and listen to the call to, to, to alert us. So he says, ho, everyone that thirsteth, he says, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Notice in verse number 1, there were three times that we saw the word come. Three times that we saw an invitation that the prophet extends to us from our holy, righteous God. Now notice verse 2. Wherefore, now there's some questions here. Notice the questions. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Verse 3, incline your ear and come unto me. There it is again. He gives an invitation in verse number 3. Come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an ever, everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Father, I pray that as we listen to the scripture passage, Lord, that you've laid upon my heart to preach this morning, that you would help us to have ears to hear, you'd help us to have a heart open, our Bibles open in front of us, and just respond, Lord, as you speak to our hearts. I pray you'd help us to see this invitation in scripture, Lord, and be able to respond to it in the way that you would have us to respond today. I pray that every decision would be made that you call upon us to make, Help us to have, again, ears to hear and a heart that's open as we receive the word of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in Isaiah chapter number 55, the same as some of these other invitations that we have read about, not only in the New Testament of our Bible, but we've been dealing with some in the Old Testament as well. These are what I'd like us to look at this invitation. Again, like similar with these other invitations that we've noticed. I want us to notice that this invitation this morning that we are going to address, we're going to talk about from this passage in Isaiah, is a life-changing invitation. Now, you've been invited to things before that if you went, it would be a good time, but it wouldn't be life-changing. 
Matter of fact, it probably wouldn't even be a problem if you didn't respond to the invitation. You didn't attend or you didn't go. It wouldn't change your life in any way. But God says, I've got an, an invitation that I am extending to you. And if you will respond to this one, this one will be a life-altering, a life-changing invitation that I want you to respond to. Now, by way of an outline, by way of some truths that I would like us to learn today, and if you're jotting down some things, you can jot these down here this morning or at least remember them in your mind, but definitely follow along with us in the passage of Scripture this morning. I want us to answer three questions this morning. So I have three questions that I want to present to you this morning from Isaiah chapter 55 and the first few verses here, and I want us to try to answer these questions from this passage of Scripture this morning with this thought of coming to this invitation that God has extended to us. Come Coming to the waters, he says. In verse number one, I want you to come ye, he says, to the waters. So these questions that I want us to answer this morning. Question number one this morning is this. To whom is this invitation made? To whom is this invitation made? So who is this invitation open to? We want to make sure that we understand who God is inviting here. Well, I think he answers it really, really simply for us. If we'll just look back at verse number one, he gives us a really, really quick answer to that question. Who is this invitation for? Look at verse number one again, if you would, at the very beginning of the verse. He says, ho, now what are the next two words? Everyone, everyone. Here's the idea this morning. This invitation is a universal one. All right, this invitation this morning is open to everyone. So the answer to that question, real simple, right from verse number one, to whom is the invitation made? It is open to everyone. This is a universal invitation. It wouldn't be that God would just say, I'm talking to those that are Jewish people. He wouldn't be just excluding and, and, and putting the, the, the Jews alone in a category or maybe just for the nation of Israel. No, this is for everyone. This is an invitation that is universal. But notice there's something that has to be true of the, the person who responds to this invitation. Notice this now back at verse number one. He says, ho, everyone. So it's a universal invitation, but it applies to those that what? He says, everyone that thirsteth, that thirsteth. Now let's pause there just for a moment and let's think about what he means when he uses that word thirsteth there in verse number one. The word thirsteth there would be another way that we could, a way that we could apply it today. It reminds us of a need that we have. When we are thirsty, we have a need, don't we? And so God is saying to us, as he invites anyone to come to this invitation, he says you have to have, you have, to have a need. You have to have thirst, he says. So to everyone that thirsteth, that word thirsteth again reminds us or speaks to us of a need. It speaks to us of, 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 of that of a desire, a desire that we may have. Another way that we could describe that word thirsteth there in verse number one is a deep inner craving that we would have. Just like, again, we would physically, and we're going to talk about that in a moment, we would physically thirst for water. He's trying to give the illustration there spiritually thirsting for him. We physically thirst for water. We're to spiritually thirst for him. It's the idea of a need, a desire that we have. A deep inner craving that we have. As a matter of fact, the psalmist put it this way. The psalmist described it this way for us. And you may want to look up this verse later. It's found in Psalm 42 and verse number 1. It says this, As the heart panteth after the water brook. The psalmist said, So longeth or panteth my soul after thee, O God. I have a picture in my office. And it has a deer Drinking at some water, and it has that Bible verse on it. As the heart, as the deer, pants after the water brook, 
He said, so ought my soul, the psalmist says, to long after God. Now, who's this invitation open to? It's open to everyone, and it has to, it has to be as you recognize the fact that you have a need, that you are thirsting. There's that deep, again, inner craving that you have. But here's what's so special about Isaiah 55 and verse number 1. Every single one of us can relate to this because we have all been there. As a matter of fact, we could probably relate to this even on a daily basis, couldn't we? Physically speaking, we have a craving for water because we have thirst, don't we? And this is a daily thing. So we would say today that this is something that is common to every one of us. Meaning that every one of us that's sitting here today, we could all understand this need. We could understand, at least physically speaking, we could understand the need that we have when we are thirsty to be able to get to that drink so that we can physically have our need met. So when we are thirsty physically, we are dependent upon getting to water, aren't we? We would say, we would, we would, we would even refer to ourselves as being needy. There's something we need we have a craving, a desire to be able to quench that thirst and to be able to deal with that thirst that we have. And we do it by responding, don't we? We go get something to be able to drink so that we can satisfy that need. So we are dependent upon the source of water that we need to help us physically with our thirst. But how about spiritually speaking? The dependence that we have upon God, the need that we have, we would come to Him as needy people. And we would say, just the same way we would physically speaking, we would say the same thing applies to us spiritually as well. This is a condition that we all stand in need of, right? Just like we would say there's on a daily basis a need to drink something because we have a physical thirst, just the same way we would apply that physically, we would apply it spiritually. We would say that every day there is a hunger and a longing and a craving spiritually for the things of God in our lives. It's something that we are in, that we would all say we would stand in need of. It's a condition that every one of us would say we stand in need of. There are some hymns that have been written, some special songs that have been written by hymn writers that speak to this. I know a song that from time to time our choir sings that was written by Ron Hamilton. And it says the words, Lord, I need you. What's the thought there? We're all dependent upon him, aren't we? We're all needy people. We all have, or we ought to have at least, spiritually speaking, an inner, a deep inner craving for the Lord and a desire for him. And so that songwriter, Ron Hamilton, wrote those words, Lord, I need you. A song that we, write, that we have in our hymnals, uh, that we could open our hymnal to even today, is the song, I need thee every hour. What's the thought there? Every moment of every day. This is a daily thing, right? Just like I physically need water, daily I need the Lord. Now I thought about this as I was answering this question, as I was studying through this. The, the, the question, to whom is this invitation made? Again, it's open to everyone, to everyone that has this thirst, spiritually speaking now. And so I wanted us inside this question to answer another question. And the second question that I would pose to you under question number one is what is it that we really would say we need from the Lord? What, what if, if I'm going to say I, I have a need, I have a desire, I have a deep inner craving for the Lord, spiritually speaking, what is it that we truly need from the Lord? I wanted to present a few things to you this morning. Number one, we need salvation by Him, don't we? 
He's the only one who can save the sinner, right? He's the way, the truth, and the life. The only way that you're going to be saved is you come to him, right? So what are we all in need of today? Every one of us would say, I'm in need of salvation by him. What is something else that we could say we're all in need of? We're all in need of a knowledge of him, aren't we? So we need salvation that comes by him. He's the only one that can give salvation. But I'd say that every one of us would agree this morning that we are in need of a knowledge of him as well. As a matter of fact, Paul put it pretty well in uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10 when Paul said these words, that I may know him. What was Paul trying to say there in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10? I need to know God better. I need to have more of a knowledge of him. So what are we in need of? Number one, we're in need of salvation by him. We're in need of a knowledge of him. But then I want you to, to be encouraged with this this morning. And this reminds us of that deer that does pant by the water, the, the water brooks. And, and, and as the psalmist says, so panteth my soul after thee, O Lord. Number three, we are in need of communion with him. We are in need of communion with him. See, we need to spend time with God every day, don't we? We need to be talking to him. We need to be allowing him to talk to us. We do that as we read his word. And as we pray, there's communion that's taking place. So what do we need from God? We need salvation by him. He's the only one that can give us salvation. We need knowledge of him. We need communion with him. And then there's another thing that we would remind ourselves that we need that's found in scripture as well. We need conformity to him. The Bible says that we are supposed to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has already predestinated us. The Bible says that in the book of Romans chapter number 8. He's predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his dear son. Which means that when we trust Jesus Christ as our savior. One of the things that God already has in his plan for our lives. Is that we would be conformed to the image of his dear son. So we need to be saved by him. We need to have knowledge of him. We need to have communion with him. And we need to have conformity to him. Can you agree with me today? We're in need of God, aren't we? I need thee every hour. Lord, I need you as the hymn writers have written. So answer to question number one, to whom is the invitation made? It's made to everyone that is thirsty. Everyone that has a spiritual thirst, God said it's open to you. Now here's question number two this morning. What does this invitation consist of? What does it consist of? Did you notice how the Bible describes this? Would you look at verse number one with me? What does this invitation consist of? If it's open to everyone who is thirsty, what does it consist of? Look at what it says in verse number one with me, if you would. We're just going to kind of emphasize several parts of this verse. He says, so, oh, excuse me, everyone that thirsteth. Now notice the next five words there. Come ye to the waters. God says, I have waters that I want to help satisfy you. Now let's go on a little bit further. He says this, excuse me, and he that hath no money, now I'm going to emphasize the next part here, come ye, and then notice he says, buy, and by the way, we're going to get back to that word buy in a moment, buy and eat. All right, so what is he saying there? He says, I want to satisfy you with water, and I want to satisfy you with food as well. You come if you're thirsty, and I'll give you waters. You come if you're hungry. Now watch this, buy wine and milk, and we're going to come back to this in just a moment, without money and without price. 
Now, these things that he talks about here in this passage of Scripture, water to drink, food to eat, he even refers to the fact that God can give milk and wine. We would say, all right, what does this mean? What is God trying to use this as an illustration for? for, for? Well, he's using all of these things that he's identified here that, these blessing, that, these, that this invitation consists of as a symbol of abundant spiritual blessings that God has for you. Isn't it good to know this morning that if we come to God, and it's open to everyone, if we come to God thirsty, he says, I have abundant spiritual blessings that I am prepared to bless you with. Now let's consider a few things. Number one, these can only come from God. So I, I'll say this, I'm not able to satisfy your, your spiritual thirst, and you can't satisfy mine either. I'm not able to take care of your spiritual hunger, but isn't it comforting and encouraging to know this morning that God can do that? These are abundant spiritual blessings that can only come from God, and he has, by the way, an all-sufficient supply of them. So he's not going to be able to just meet half of those that are in the auditorium, half of our needs, and the other half he just dismisses and pushes away. He has sufficiency to meet every one of our needs, doesn't he? And we would say again, back with the hymn writer, I need thee every hour and know that he is the one that's able to meet the need and he is the one that has the sufficiency to supply it. So he can give to us, consider with me a couple words here this morning. He can give to you and to me, spiritually speaking, that which he knows that we need that will refresh us. Have you ever had some times where physically speaking, you needed to be refreshed? When we're thirsty, water does that, doesn't it? It has a way of refreshing us. When we're hungry, I know there's times that my wife and I have talked about it at times with our children when they get hungry. Man, I'll tell you what, they need some food. They start to get, uh, they're starting to get a little grumpy on us. You know, they need something to refresh themselves a little bit, right? So God has what can God has to has the ability to give us that which can refresh us. Physically speaking, we all need refresh, but how about spiritually speaking? You ever have times in your life spiritually speaking where you need God to give you just that which refreshes you? Not only is he able to give us that which refreshes us, but he's able to give us that which gladdens us. We're able to be glad because of these abundant spiritual blessings that God has for us. He's able to give us that which nourishes us. He's able to give us that which satisfies us, that which has a way of comforting us. And by the way, a prayer request that we've been praying this year in our church is that God would give to us revival. God has the ability to abundantly give us what can revive us as well. Spiritually speaking, what can revive us so that we can be the Christian that God wants us to be. Now, would you look down at this passage of Scripture real quickly? And I want to remind you of a few abundant spiritual blessings that God has for us that I think we clearly see right here in this chapter. Would you look down at this chapter for a moment and look, notice, if you would, at verse number 3. Verse number 3. He says, Incline your ear and come unto me here, and your soul shall live. Your soul shall live. Now, what's the promise that we would always say is true if we would make that statement that I've come to God and he's given me a way for my soul to live? What would we call that? We'd call that salvation, wouldn't we? See, he, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I wasn't going to spiritually live. But the day that I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior and I received salvation, I was saved, 
He gave me that abundant spiritual blessing of salvation that can only come from him that enables me to now have the confidence and assurance that I am going to live for all of eternity, spiritually speaking. So number one, the uh, first abundant spiritual blessing I believe we see in this passage that God has for those who come to him that are thirsty. I have salvation that I can give to you. By the way, that would be a blessing above every other one, wouldn't it? Salvation, hope of eternity. Number two, notice with me if you would at verse number five. Verse number five, he said, Behold, thou shalt call a nation, and I'm going to stress a few words here, that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the, now watch this, Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee, now notice verse six, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. What is the second abundant spiritual blessing that God has for each and every one of us? For those that are thirsty, that come to him, he has the spiritual abundant blessing of Christ himself. Christ himself. Did you notice those words in verse 5 and verse number 6 that described him? We saw the word Lord. We saw the word God. We saw the word Holy One of Israel. We saw the word Lord again in verse number 6 and the word Him to describe the God that we are seeking after. We have the abundant spiritual blessing of Christ Himself. As a matter of fact, this is the way the Bible describes it. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We have Jesus Christ Himself as the abundant spiritual blessing that God wants to give us. Now look at verse number 7 if you would. Verse number 7, he says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Now watch this, verse 7, And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. All right, what does the Bible tell us is another abundant spiritual blessing that God has for us. He has grace, he has mercy, and he has forgiveness. Now again, he's the only source that can provide these things. But his source is all sufficient, isn't it? And he has the ability not only to save us, he's given us Christ himself, Christ in me, the hope of glory, and he's given me grace, he's extended to me grace, and he's extended mercy, and he's, dis- he's extended to me pardon and forgiveness. Those are abundant spiritual blessings. Yesterday we were at the men's conference, and uh, the one speaker, uh, Brother uh, Charlie Clark, was talking about uh, the, the, the fact that we ought to be uh, astonished at the Lord And he said, one of the things that we ought to always be astonished by, it reminds me of what we're talking about today, one of the things that we ought to be always astonished by is the mercy of God. And he talked about how we ought never get over the mercy that God extended to us when he saved us. Let's never get over the fact that God, in 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 an abundant spiritual blessing in our life, he provides to us grace and mercy and forgiveness. As a matter of fact, the word water that we are seeing in Isaiah chapter number 55 because he talked about coming if you are thirsty and he has water that he wants to give you. Water in the book of Isaiah, which is the book we happen to be in today, the prophet Isaiah as he writes this book, water in the book of Isaiah is is an illustration in this book of grace. So when we think about that term water that we're seeing right here in Isaiah chapter 55, he's telling us this is an illustration of God's grace that he has given to you. He's given to you salvation. He's given to you Christ himself. He extends to you grace and mercy and pardon. But then look at verse 10. It's not done yet. Look at verse number 10. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, 
that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which it please, and it shall prosper in the thing where, uh, whereto I sent it. What's another abundant spiritual blessing God has given to us? He's given us the word of God, hasn't he? And what does the Bible very clearly say happens in Isaiah chapter number 55? When the word of God goes out, it will not return void. Man, I'm thankful to report to you this morning that whenever a preacher gets up here and he stands and he preaches the word of God, there is nothing that the Bible teaches us will return void about that message that was given. I'm so thankful for the word of God today. We've got to be in the word of God. We've got to be studying. We've got to be memorizing. We've got to be meditating upon it. Why? Because we've got this spiritual blessing that God has given to us of his word. This is what this promise and this invitation consists of. God says, I've got salvation to offer you. I've got Christ himself to offer you and grace and mercy and pardon and the word of God. But there's some good news because it's not done yet. Look with me if you would at verse number 12. He says, for ye shall go out with joy and shall be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. What is another abundant spiritual blessing that God has for us? He has joy and he has peace. Oh, isn't it good to know that there is joy when we find Jesus, right? Now that's a whole lot different than just happiness because happiness can come and go. Happiness depends upon the circumstances of life, but joy is eternal, isn't it? Joy is something that cannot be taken away. Then he describes the, uh, the awesome truth that we have peace as well. This is an abundant spiritual blessing that God wants to offer you. He wants to give you peace. Now, peace only comes from God. It, this, this kind of peace that we're talking about now, he's the source of it. He's the all-sufficient source of it. It only comes from him. But then we can have, as the Bible says, peace with God. And we can have the peace of God. Peace with God when we ask Him to be our Savior. The peace of God as we journey down here on this, in this, uh, on this earth, in this Christian life, in this race that we are running for Him. God says, I've got an abundant spiritual blessing that I want to give to you. And that blessing is salvation. That it can only come from Him. That blessing is the, 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 the Jesus Christ himself, the hope of glory. That blessing is grace and mercy and pardon. That blessing is, is the word, word of God. That blessing is joy and peace that God wants you to have. Now, I want you to hold your place there in Isaiah 55 for a moment. And I want you, if you would, to join me in a few verses here that I want us to notice in the New Testament for a second. John chapter number 4. John chapter 4, because we're talking about, we're answering the question, what does this invitation consist of? What does it consist of? And I want us to notice some truths that God gives us as he makes invitations for us. Now, look with me, if you would, at John chapter 4, and notice verse number 10. Jesus is at a well, and he's speaking to a lady of Samaria. By the way, the Samaritans and Jews, they didn't get along real well. To the point where Jesus, as a Jewish man, probably shouldn't even be communicating with her. But he wasn't concerned about all their rules and regulations. He was concerned about her soul, wasn't he? And so he's standing there at the well, and he gives us a wonderful picture of what a soul winner would do. He starts to share with her the truth of the message of the gospel. And he says to, you, he says to her, if you're thirsty, I can give you water. And I can give you water that will allow you to never thirst again. 
All right, what is this? Again, we're asking the question, what does this invitation consist of? God says, if you are thirsty and you come to me, I want to give you water. John chapter 4 and verse number 10 says this, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Can you imagine how interesting that would have sounded to this lady? Living water? Water will I'll never thirst again? You mean I won't have to come down to this well anymore? No, I'm not speaking physically. God says I'm speaking spiritually. I'll be able to give you water where spiritually speaking you will never thirst again. Skip down with me if you would to verse number 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Now we understand he's not talking about a physical thirst. He's talking about a spiritual one. And he says, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Here's what the Lord is doing. Remember, we're asking the question, what does this invitation consist of? Here's what the Lord is doing. He is inviting this lady and he invites every one of us to come and drink living water. Water where we will never thirst again. What does thirst do? Thirst alerts us for our need for, for water, doesn't it? Hey, I've got thirst, and so therefore it's alerting me physically for a need that I have of water. Well, can I say spiritually speaking, Jesus satisfies that thirst, doesn't he? Spiritually speaking, if you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will never thirst Again, he says, I want to give you everlasting life. But then, would you turn with me quickly to John uh, chapter number 6. John chapter number 6. You were there in John 4. Now go over to John chapter number 6. The Lord is going to invite us to come. And the invitation that he gives here, remember now back to Isaiah for just a moment. What did the invitation say? Everyone that's thirsty, you come and I've got water. Everyone that is hungry, you come and you eat, he said, didn't he? You come and you eat. Well, notice the application here in John chapter number 6. The Lord invites us to come and take of the bread of life. Now, back in John chapter 4, who is the living water? Jesus is the living water, isn't he? In John chapter number 6, who is the bread of life? Jesus is the bread of life. Notice John chapter 6, if you would, verse number 31. It says, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So he gave them this physical manna to eat. Notice what Jesus says in verse number 32. Words of red, Jesus speaking here. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. See, Moses gave you bread from heaven that will help you with your physical hunger. But Jesus says, Because I've come down here to this earth, just like manna came down and they were able to take that manna to meet their physical need. God says, I've left heaven. And the Father, God the Father, has sent me down here so that you can have bread that would allow you to never hunger again. Look with me if you would at verse 33. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. By the way, what are we seeing there? We're seeing a desire, aren't we? We're seeing a hunger. We're seeing a need that needs to be fulfilled. Something that needs to, need, needs, to, needs to take place in order for me to be satisfied. 
They said, give us this bread. If you're talking about this living bread, please give it to us. Well, notice what he says in verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Jesus says, I'm able to take care of your needs. Spiritually speaking, I'm able to take care of your needs. Now, what, what do we say about thirst? Thirst alerts us to the need for water. What does hunger do? Hunger alerts us for the need for food, doesn't it? Probably right about now we're getting there, aren't we? And we're saying we're getting a little hungry. We're ready to go eat something right after the service, right? We're getting hungry. It alerts us to the need that we have of food. Well, Jesus satisfies spiritually that hunger, doesn't he? We'll come to him and he is the living water. We come to him, he is the bread of life. The idea here is that this invitation consists of these abundant spiritual blessings that God has for us. God says, I am what will meet your thirst. I am what will satisfy your hunger. And then a little bit, a little bit uh, uh, earlier in the Old Testament, excuse me, in the New Testament of our Bible, in the Gospels, the book of Matthew, chapter 5 and verse number 6, the Bible tells us there's a sermon that is being preached on the mount, Sermon on the Mount. And as part of that, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter number 5, Jesus gives us the Beatitudes. And we learned about, we learn in that passage of Scripture the blessings that God has for us. Well, the Bible says that God says to us, Jesus says to us, while He's here on earth and He's preaching that Sermon on the Mount, He's saying that there are blessings that are promised to those who are spiritually hungry. He says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. God says if you're hungry spiritually, I've got blessings, abundant spiritual blessings that can meet the need that you have and satisfy that need of hunger and thirst that your body calls for physically, but he's saying spiritually that our spiritual need calls for. Now the last question, we'll finish with this this, this morning, is this. We ask to whom is this invitation made? Everyone who is thirsty. We ask what does it consist of? It consists of Abundant spiritual blessings that God has for us that we clearly saw in Isaiah 55 and we saw in the Gospel of John as well. He wants to be our living water and he wants to be our bread of life. But the last question this morning is this. How often, or excuse me, how do we, I'm sorry, how do we obtain this promise? How do we obtain this promise? So how do I go about obtaining this promise that God has for me? Did you notice the prophet answers that question? Look with me back, if you would, at verse number 1. Verse number 1, he answers the question. Notice he says this. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, he says, come ye to the waters. And he that, notice the next little phrase here, hath no money. And then he says, come ye, buy. We'll get back to that word buy here in just a moment as we finish. And eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk, now watch the end of the verse, without money and without price. What's the idea here that we'll finish our message with? How are we to obtain this promise that God has for us? Did you notice in this passage of scripture, the prophet very clearly teaches us that nothing that we can offer can buy the blessings that God has in store for us. See, I can't offer God any money. There's no price that I can pay to get this. I can't earn it. 
I can't work for it. By the way, if we can't work for something or earn something, what does that do? That causes us to have to abandon self, doesn't it? We have to say, speaking of myself, I can't do anything to help myself. By the way, that helps us to understand we have a need, right? See, I can't help myself. I have to rely on somebody else to help me because I can't earn it. I can't work for it. It's something that God says is freely offered. Anybody who's thirsty, I've got abundant spiritual blessings for you. You can't pay for them. You can't work for them. It's something God says I freely want to offer you. You can't purchase them. By the way, no one would be able to adequately pay for them anyway. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about that in Ephesians chapter 2, right? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The idea here is this. The price has already been paid, hasn't it? We sing in our hymnal, Jesus paid it all. There's another song that we've come to know in our hymnal, and it says these words. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. God, I'm not bringing anything. The price has already been paid. You've already bought me. By the way, the Bible says that in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. He says we're bought with a price. What is that price? That price is the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't adequately pay the price that I would need to pay in order for my sins to be forgiven and have the promise of heaven. So that means that what we are learning today, the only way that I can obtain this promise that God has given, has, is given to me, is extending to me, that I need to respond to, is I have to receive it as a gift, don't I? I have to receive it, I have to accept it, and I have to get to a place where I admit that I'm undeserving. I don't deserve all of these abundant spiritual blessings. There's nothing I can do to merit or earn them or gain them myself. So I have to freely give up myself and say I'm relying upon God and receiving it as an undeserved gift. So there's only one condition that we see in this passage of scripture here today. Only one condition that will allow a person who is thirsty to be satisfied. There's only one condition and that condition is this. You have to sense your need and you have to receive that which is offered to you. See that's what happens when we get saved, isn't it? We sense our need. We understand God convicts us, doesn't he? You remember when you got saved? God spoke to your heart, didn't he? And he convicted you of a need that you had. You knew that you couldn't do anything to merit or earn your way to heaven, so you had to rely upon him, didn't you? And he had a gift that we had to receive. He had a gift that we had to accept. It reminds me a little bit of the Old Testament story of Naaman. Remember, Naaman was the one that had leprosy. You remember that story? And remember they told him, you just go down to the Jordan River and you dip seven times. He got a little bit angry about that, didn't he? But thankfully his servant was there. Because his servant looked at him and he said, if he would have asked you to do something challenging, if he would have asked you to do something hard or difficult so that you could be cleansed from your leprosy, you would have gone to no, no length at all to make sure that your leprosy was healed. And all he's asking you to do is go down to the Jordan River and dip seven times. You certainly should be able to do that. Well, what is God trying to tell us? All I'm asking you to do is sense your need and receive the gift that I've offered you. That's the only way you can obtain these abundant spiritual blessings that God has for you. Go back to verse number one a minute. I told you I was going to go back to that. Look, notice in verse number one, he uses the word buy. Come ye, buy and eat. 
I don't want that to confuse us. I don't want us to get to a place where you say, wait a minute, you're telling me this is freely offered, but yet in verse number one, it's using the word by. Well, here's what that word by is referring to. In verse number one, the word by there is referring to self-surrender that has to take place in order for us to accept these blessings. See, I've got to surrender myself. I've got to put myself to the side and realize I can't do anything. I've surrendered everything that I could accomplish. And I'm just fully trusting on God so that I can accept this blessings that he has for me. Now notice verse number two with me if you would quickly. Because this helps us to answer our question. Remember our question was, how do I obtain these promises? He gives us an answer here in verse number two. Notice what he says. Wherefore do, you, do ye, he asks a question, do ye spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which satisfieth not? What is the prophet Isaiah trying to tell us here? He's trying to say that many spend time, they spend effort, they spend energy, they spend strength and days on that which will never nourish and that which will never satisfy. There are a lot of people like that in our world today, aren't there? Who are spending their time and they're putting all of their effort and they're putting all of their energy into something that is never going to nourish and something that is never going to satisfy them spiritually. We would say it this way. Vain attempts are being made. Oh, if I, Matter of fact, we were at the men's conference just yesterday. And brother, brother Charlie Clark asked a man from his church to get up and give a testimony. And that man talked about all the things that he had in his life that he thought were going to satisfy the need that he had. And he said, I never found any satisfaction in them. The only time I ever found satisfaction is when I humbled myself and I prayed and I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. See, anything else that we're trying to, an effort we're trying to make or time we're trying to spend is only a vain attempt if it is outside of Jesus. Many are trying to rely on their money, aren't they? Many are trying to rely maybe perhaps today on a possession or a, a position that they have or some kind of prestige that they have or maybe they're turning to alcohol. Maybe they're turning to drugs. Maybe they're turning to the pleasures of this life or pride in their life. And they're searching for satisfaction of the soul. But you and I both know today, and in accordance to God's word, we know this to be true, that every human effort to satisfy a spiritual hunger will always fail. Every time we humanly try to satisfy a spiritual problem that we have, we will always fail because only Jesus can satisfy a spiritual need that we have. Only Jesus can satisfy our spiritual appetite. And by the way, it requires us putting faith in him. Jesus and the faith that we put in him satisfies that need that we have. There's a hymn that was written that speaks to this along with the hymn that we sang this morning in our morning song service. But the song says, Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. And only he can change your heart and make you whole. He'll give you peace you never knew. Sweet love and joy and heaven too. For only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Nothing else can ever meet the need. All other routes that somebody tries to take to satisfaction are always going to end as counterfeits, aren't they? Notice the end of verse number 2, and we'll finish with this this morning. The Bible says at the end of verse number 2, 
It says, hearken diligently unto me. It's the prophet's way. It's God's way of saying, hey, you need to listen up. I'm giving you an invitation. You need to be alert. You need to listen up. Just like he used the word ho at the start of this passage of scripture. Hey, let's get alert. Let's listen to the call that God has for you, the invitation that he has for you. He said, hearken diligently unto me, and watch this, and eat ye that which is good. Now, remember, we already talked about that which the world tries to satisfy their souls with. That's no good, is it? That'll never lead to spiritual satisfaction and spiritual nourishment. But God says, I want you to satisfy yourself with that which is good. By the way, that goodness that he's speaking of here is only found in him. We're relying upon him. Notice the end of verse number 2 says this, And let your soul delight itself in fatness. That word fatness would be our way of saying goodness. May our soul be satisfied and find delight in the goodness that is only found in him. By the way, I like that word at the end of verse number 2. I like that word delight. Because it reminds me of what the psalmist said in Psalm 37 when he says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Now we draw this message to a close this morning. Here's the idea. Who is this invitation open for? Well, it's open to everyone that is thirsty. Can I ask you this morning, are you thirsty uh, for, for, for spiritual things? Are you hungry for spiritual things? Maybe you need to ask God to help you with that this morning. Have you come to the living water? Have you come to the bread of life for your hope for eternity today? If you're not saved, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. He wants to save you today. And then we ask the question, what does this invitation consist of? Well, it, con- it consists of abundant spiritual blessings that God wants to give you. He's the only source, and he has an all-sufficient source of them. Are you relying upon God for your source of satisfaction? Or perhaps today, are you turning to something else? that you're relying upon to give you the satisfaction that only God can give to you. And then we ask the question, how do we obtain this promise? Money can't buy it. I can't earn it. I can't work for it. But God says, I freely offered. The only thing you have to do is sense your need, and you have to get to a place where you will receive the invitation that God has for you. Come if you're thirsty, he says. I'll give you the satisfaction that you need. Come if you're hungry. I'll give you the satisfaction that you need. Now may we remind ourselves as we close this morning of what we sang in hymn number 316. Hymn number 316, especially that second verse, it said this, Feeding on the husk around me till my strength was almost gone. Longed my soul for something better, only still to hunger on. There's a lot, in this, there's a lot of people in this world that are doing that very thing, aren't they? They're feeding themselves with that which will never satisfy. Verse number three says this, Poor I was and sought for riches, something that would satisfy. Remember we said it. People are trying for money, aren't they? Possessions, some type of a prestige or popularity or some type of a position that they have. But he says this, But the dust I gathered round me only mocked my soul's sad cry. And the last verse says this, May this remind us of what we learned this morning. Well of water ever springing. Who's the well of water that's ever springing? He said, I'll give you living water. The next part of our hymn says, bread of life, so rich and free. I'm willing to satisfy your physical thirst. I'm willing to satisfy your spiritual, excuse me, your spiritual thirst and your spiritual hunger. And he says, untold wealth that never faileth, my Redeemer is 
to me. Hallelujah, I have found him whom my soul so long has craved. How many today are just longing to have the satisfaction that they'll only find in Jesus? Jesus satisfies my longings through his blood. I now am saved. Father, thank you this morning for the passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 55. And Lord, I pray that in some way, Lord, you will take this passage of Scripture and you will take the truth that was presented by way of this sermon this morning and apply it to our lives that only Jesus can satisfy our soul. 